Did you know if you're a Christian, you're in construction? We'll take a look at the building together with God that we are to be about as Christians next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. This is Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Welcome to our broadcast. Our time together today takes us back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, message entitled, Builders Together with God. We're in a construction firm of sorts. We are about the business of building God's kingdom. What that looks like and why we're to be a part of it is the subject of today's broadcast. Join us. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Even a good atheist betrays himself all the time because uh, he may have a moral qualm about something. There's a lawgiver out there. Natural law. Just what, what's out there? What's out there? And this idea of temple was we build a place where when we come as the worshipers, we're hoping that whoever's beyond the realities that we've seen, the wood, the stuff, the light, if there be a God out there, and they all believe... See, the ancient world was not atheistic. They were polytheistic. Many gods. The gods were in everything. They weren't atheists. They were polytheist. Many gods. Very religious. And so they came to temple... They'd bring their sacrifices. They'd offer their children in some religions. They would do whatever to get in touch with the God that was transcendent above it all. Where can we mediate? Let's get a priest down here that can build me a bridge from me to the gods that are out there. You did it at temple. Now what Christ said in John 2... I am heaven come down to earth. I am the bridge for you to get from earth to God. I am that bridge. I am the dwelling place of God. But now watch. The temple is crucified. And now of all things, he says, the head has gone to heaven, Christ. And now he's building a people for himself. And he's now saying, you as people who have put your faith in me constitute a holy temple, which means local churches are intended by God to be places where heaven touches earth. And you come together as God's living stones. It doesn't matter if there's ten of us. There's a thousand of us. We come together, and when we come together to worship this God, to praise Him, to honor Him, God says, you constitute a holy temple down there, and guess who indwells it? The Holy Spirit. Well, wait, wait, we meet in a storefront building. I went to church for years at a storefront building on San Pablo Avenue in Berkeley. I mean, where you would sell clothes. Bunch of holiness people. We went to this little dumpy building. Dumpy surroundings. But God says, the surroundings won't matter to me. I will live among my people who, when they come together to worship, constitute something as great as Solomon's temple to me. 
I will be in their midst. Now, 1 Corinthians 6 is going to say your body's a temple. This is you plural. You plural. A local church constitutes a holy dwelling place for God. It's for heaven and earth. You know what that means? We ought to be inviting unsaved people. The New Testament assumes we'll bring unsaved people to church. He told them in 1 Corinthians 14, don't be talking in tongues when the uh, unsaved pagans are among you. They'll be confused. So get your church meeting straightened out so that a visitor from the world, a pagan, comes. They'll see order. They'll be able to understand what's said. So our services have to be intelligible enough that an unsaved person says, I, I, I figure out what they're doing. It's not spooky. It's not weird. It's not off the wall. And they actually can talk into my world. You don't know that, but that's what that book of Acts. They always had people that were unsaved in their churches. All the time. We've been taught they won't come unless you entertain them. No, no. Bring them, love them, and let them see us adore Christ. They can figure it out. Guess what? If you don't show up, according to Ephesians 3, angels show up. For angels are observing local churches to see the manifold wisdom of God in action. And I don't know, hey, whoever you are in here, angels, I don't know your name, but welcome to the service. 1 Corinthians 11, women, adorn yourself in such a way that the angels will see that you're in submission to authority. Too spooky for you? You know why? Here's why. Since the Enlightenment, we've done away with supernaturalism. There's a lead ceiling over culture. There's no God out there. If it cannot be empirically figured out or rationalistically figured out, it's not true. You guys are into folk religion. You act like God's there. Yeah, that's right. You act like angels could be in the meeting. There can't be angels. Oh, it's not the people for sure. There are angels. God said that. But you and I are constantly... See, that's why people say, I don't believe in miracles. Can God do a miracle? No, he can't. It's not rationalistic. It's not empirically possible. Who taught you that? Enlightenment. I could trust human reason more than divine revelation. So, Jonah couldn't have been in the mouth of the fish for three days. It doesn't, it just, it could not be. I mean, we've never scientifically pulled that off. Throw a scientist in the mouth of a great fish and keep him there three days. Come back and examine him. Take the little thing out of his ear that we plugged in to see if we could track him. And, but he came out dead again. Can't happen. Any volunteers for the project? They call it the big tuna operation. Jump in there. But if we can't do it, God can't do it. And I hear him say to Abraham, Is there anything too hard for me, Abram? You're saying that this God can't make an old man and a barren woman have a baby. Is there anything too hard for me, Abram? Jeremiah said the same. Is there anything too hard for God? Oh, you don't know how lost my unsaved loved one is. You don't know how lost. You don't know. Wait, quit buying into the enlightenment and the wisdom of this world. Our God did an exodus. Our God raised Jesus from the dead. Our God took a bunch of wretches and turned us around. Hey, we ought to be advertising the supernatural God. And any place you can go on this earth to sense there's a supernatural God, it ought to be at God. God's local temples. 
right here. We're a temple of God. Now, see, that language, you say, are you calling us a mosque? We're not Muslim. We don't use temple. The, the Hilltop Assembly used to be full gospel temple when it was downtown Richmond on Bissell. Full gospel temple. You know what? I thought, oh, that's a little, that's a little high church. I don't like that temple. Now I repent. That's a great title. A local church. You know, they had, I heard the story years ago about these two guys. They were laying bricks. And they asked this one guy, he said, well, what are you doing? He said, I'm laying bricks. They asked the other guy, he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm building a cathedral. Some just, what are you doing? I'm just teaching a bunch of brats. I hope they'll behave. Oh, you are. What's, what's the other doing? I said, well, I'm trying to reach some kids for Jesus Christ because I think God can put them in the body of Christ and he just might use them. Uh, or like building material. Uh, you know, uh, if it's for Jesus, anything would do. I see these offerings, you know. I watch churches. We had a guy one time, when we were in the theater, he came up and uh, it, it was offering time. And I would just have to be sitting there. One of our men uh, was there. And, and I heard the guy say, uh, can you make change? <laughs> change? And, and, and I thought, well, boy, he must have a $100 bill. It was five. <laughs> I want to change for a five. And bless his heart, one of our dear ushers says, we don't make change in this church. We'll take it all right now. He didn't do that, but he did say we don't make change. But he should have just grabbed it. Because anything for God will do. I've heard these stories about what we give the missionaries out of the missionary. Uh, you know, they used to have places for clothes and things like that. Um, anything you don't want, give it away and we can give it to the missionary. In anything for this is exactly what he faced in Malachi's day. He said, You're offering things to God you wouldn't give to your governor. Some of you are so cheapskate, he's saying, that you offer to the king of kings what is not worthy for a human leader. He's telling them we're building a temple. A temple of the living local church work is divine temple work. And when you see people added to a local church, I don't care what size it is, doesn't matter. Uh, when I go by this little Pentecostal church down here, when I'm coming in, many mornings I pray, God bless that pastor today. May they preach the word. May they just get happy in Jesus. All these temples, there's thousands and millions of them on the face of the earth. And God says... Go there like a city of refuge when you want to come and contact with heaven. When you're sick of TV, you're sick of tech, you're sick of texting, you're sick of everything in your ear, and you want to sense heaven coming down, go to a local church where Christ is the foundation and he's being preached. You may come in contact with heaven. That's what a local church is about. And we don't want to build with cheap material. I just did a men's breakfast a while back, and a guy came up to me afterward to ask questions, and uh, he got to talk. He was all upset about something, and he wanted me to straighten out their pastor. And, and it's always easy to straighten out a pastor when you're the guest speaker. Because uh, I know everything if I'm 10 miles out of town. It's when I come home that I know nothing. You start all over. Every time I'm ready to go on the road to tell people how to build a church, we have another crisis. So God just keeps your head shrugged. 
And he, he was griping about the church and everything. And he didn't want to. I said, what's your problem? He said, oh, man. Our church just built a $13 million building and this and that. He said, I just can't imagine. And he said, I don't want to support them. I said, in other words, you wouldn't go to Solomon's temple. He said, what? I said, what do you think Solomon's temple is worth? You cheapskate. If it's for God, why don't you enjoy it? Or is God so desperate that he can only live in a badger skin tent? And David said, no, the ark has been away long enough. I'm going to build him a house. And think of this. Even if he says, I can't do it, I'm going to write a check and let the next one build it. It would be Solomon. I want something for the living God. And this is what Paul is saying. There at Corinth, I laid a good foundation. I built it on Christ, not myself. Now, you guys are coming along and you're using different teachings you're adding this. You're getting away from the Word of God. Maybe, maybe psychology's re- uh, misplacing Scripture. Maybe personality cults. Oh, you you got the Pauline teaching, and you got the uh, Petrine teaching, and you got the Cephas teaching. Hey, hey, let me tell you something. This is what he says in the end. Why don't you be willing to become a fool for Christ instead of being controlled by the wisdom of this world? That's what he's, his application. And uh, you know what? I could never be a preacher if I was worried about being politically correct. There's not anything I preach in this pulpit, Harley, that's politically correct. Christ is the only way to heaven. That will uh, alienate everybody. Uh, God says that Christian, that a marriage was intended for a man and a woman. Just what he said. And I, I'm not anti. I'm just saying what I'm pro about. And, well, I'm not of that persuasion. Well, you're welcome to come. We pray heaven will work in your heart. Now, I'll tell you, here's a more radical one. Watch this. It's wrong to be living with your girlfriend and not be married. We're always working on the gay community. Let's talk about all of the sleeping around that goes on. I love Jesus with all my heart. How long have you been living with her? Well, about three years. We pray together. Well, you need to. be a lot of confession. Uh, when, are you, when are you plan to get married? Well, uh, whenever Jesus leads us. He led you last week. You better get married now. Let's quit bashing this group and not be equal. It's wrong to have sex outside of marriage. I'm telling you, I'm politically incorrect. Because the Bible's always been incorrect with the culture it was written to. So who do we think we are? Oh, I don't want to stand out. I, I want to be friends to all. I want to be a fool to some because I believe in the cross. I believe the Word of God. I believe He saves sinners and we love all kinds. But at least let's say what we believe and love them in the meantime. But don't give up the foundation. Don't give up teaching an error in order to be appealing to a lost culture. But let us be good to them. If you're sleeping with your girlfriend here today, I'd like to meet you. Now, don't look up here and see who all comes up today. You're welcome in this church. Church is a good place to come if you're sleeping with your girlfriend. Good place to come.
You can hear God's perspective. You can find out how to build a relationship with a person that will surpass anything you ever dreamed of. Because when Christ invades your life, he'll change even the marriage relationship. He'll change your bedroom. He'll change everything about you. You can't imagine what he can do for you. And I mean that. Second application point, he said, quit building your life around men. That's what he tells them right there. Did you notice that? He, Paul's my kind of preacher because you don't have to guess what he's saying. That's another great art today. Stay so ambiguous, nobody knows what you said, nobody can be offended. They call it the morass of ambiguity. All things, wait, so then no more boasting about men. I'm a Paul, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Apollos. All things are yours. Look at that. How he destroys the exclusive spirit by finally saying, wait, every good thing is yours. Paul is yours. Cephas is yours. Apollos is yours. Life is yours. Death is yours. Things present are yours. All children of God in Christ, we get it all. I don't have to pick and choose. I'm just with this little uh, slice of pie over here. We're, we're in the no uh, anything that knows Christ that preaches Christ. I can claim them. I can claim them. I think when I first started Valley, I was pretty exclusive. I really was, and I was pretty reactionary towards the Pentecostals I grew up with. Preach for them because I had to give up my ordination to start because I came to eternal security. But I loved them. I was born again among them. I loved the culture. I loved the enthusiasm. I loved the uh, warmth. Uh, man, I've been with so many other fellowships. They're like a, a, a floating iceberg manned by a frozen crew. And, and when you shake their hands, it's like, what do you believe? Well, do you cut it straight? I just grew to these people over here. Welcome, brother. We love you. Well, well, you don't know anything. That's why you're so warm. You, you, once you get some doctrine, you'll get critical. You need to get over here with the right crowd. We, we, we eat up everybody. We spit them out, too. What about truth on fire? What about truth with warm emotions? What about truth that you need a... You know, I've been with so many different groups. And I went as a biased believer to these groups. I mean, all of a sudden, I mean, I started out with Free Will Baptists for two years. Never knew them in my life. Found them to be wonderful people. Wonderful people of God. Then I wind up with these regular Baptist people and when they were in El Cerrito. Man, these people can't be saved. I see some of them wear makeup. They're going to hell. I grew up, you can't wear makeup. You know, we're holy. And all of a sudden I find out, I just see Jesus in them. Seem like they love God. How could that be? I'll tell you how prejudiced and narrow I grew up. We got it, nobody else has it. Then I wind up with a bunch of German Mennonites. My lens, the president of the school would bust out praying, J.B. Taves. You might know Taves. 
uh, he'd go in singing in Russian once in a while. And he'd get happy in the class. Thought, What's this all about? I'm trying to figure out Pentecostals. And the Mennonites, but I found out it was in Russian. And escaped Russia, World War II, and came and wound up. And all these German Mennonites. What's a Mennonite? I haven't been around Mennonites. Is this anything like Midianites? No, it's Mennonites. Simon Minow, Anabaptist. And I learned their history and, man, born again believers. I'd be to love God. But they're nothing like what I grew up. How could it be? If you're not like me, you must not be right. No, we probably are right. That's why we're not like you. And then I wind up at a Baptist school in Denver to finish my master's. Boy, the scrapping group. But die for the Bible, couldn't stand Billy Graham. San Francisco, where Rich and I went. Man, these guys could teach the Bible. Teach the Bible, you wouldn't believe. I met guys there. And, and I re- I'm still in these Pentecost circles. I hugged my, I just talked to his son the other night. I, Dr. Shaver is such a great teacher. One day I'm overwhelmed. I go in there after, he's about six foot three, an ex-Navy boxer, this kind of a man. I said, Laverne, he's French-German, so he had that Laverne. I said, thanks, and I'm crying. And when I got through, are you all right? Am I all right? I'm blessed. I'm going to hug you. You know we don't hug. Well, I do. Well, when you grow in grace, you'll get over it. You know, he didn't say that, but he let me hug him. And, Thanks for these truths. I mean, I had more emotion in my baby finger than he had in his whole body, but he was brilliant. And I drove to that school sick, fever, because of the way he could teach the Bible. All these different places. And what held us together was the one foundation. Different labels on top, different distinctives, different emphases. But boy, it was an education to get rid of my prejudice. I want to say this. don't have time to enumerate that Charles Haddon Spurgeon died of a broken heart. He said when he nearly died, the fight is killing me because he saw the Baptist Union in London adopt liberalism. And men no longer had to believe Christ alone saved. They no longer had to believe the Bible was the Word of God. And he got involved in the downgrade controversy. And he, uh, he died of a broken heart in many ways. I'd like to say this. I don't know how long I'm here. That's in his hands. But I say this. When I face the Lord Jesus... I will say this. I landed in Pinot 39 years ago. And I tried to lay the same foundation that Paul did. I preached Christ. I said the Holy Spirit can change a life. The blood of Christ can pay for the worst of sins. And you can come as you are. You don't have to change your dress. You don't have to look like me. Act like me. You just got to come to the foot of the cross. And God will turn you inside out. Change you. We'll accept you in grace in the meantime. And I want to say this. No matter who succeeds us. They will get their turn before the judgment seat of Christ. And say... How did you build on this foundation? Was it Christ only? Was it 
good works or was it the gospel of the grace of God plus nothing? Truth for today that we might live in truth tomorrow. Thank you for joining us. Our teacher and pastor has been Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. And on today's broadcast of Truth for Today, we've spent time here in God's Word that we might grow in His grace. If you'd like to review today's message, copies are available on CD for just $5. Mention today's date when you call 510-799-3171. 510-799-3171. You're welcome to visit our website. We have resource materials there at our online store, as well as information about us, who we are, what we believe, worship opportunities, and events here at the church valleybible.org is the website. Again, valleybible.org. And would you drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit. That would mean a great deal to us. Also, it encourages us when you call or write to us and let us know how the program encourages you in your walk and relationship with Christ. Please don't take for granted for a moment the significance of correspondence with us. It really does matter, and it really does make a difference when you contact us and let us know how the program encourages you. Questions, comments, prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. Our desire is for you to grow in Christ, that we might be mutually encouraged in his grace. So again, the phone number is 510-799-3171. That's 510-799-3171. And the web address is valleybible.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We're just off Highway 4, the church with the three crosses on the hill, about a quarter of a mile from the Highway 4 I-80 junction. You can't miss us. Directions can be had when you call us, again, 510-799-3171, or by visiting our website, valleybible.org. We thank you for joining us today, and until next time, God bless. God bless.